Second Corinthians chapter two. If you have your Bibles this morning, Second Corinthians chapter two. Um, we're going to read an interesting text where Paul is actually talking about a Roman parade, a vic- Roman victory parade. And in that they would burn incest, and he's talking about the smell of this. And so I've entitled this sermon, What is Your Smell? Because that's the picture here that Paul is bringing out. And we'll understand this because some were the smell of life, and some would smell death. Smells are very interesting. Smells can trigger numbers of things in our physical, emotional, and mental states. We can smell things and instantly be brought back to a time. How many of you have not been hungry and you smelled something baking and that was it? You were ready to eat. Smells can trigger things. They can trigger memories. It was an author, Avery Gilbert, he began to look into this smell and he used a number of different sources from scientific to fragrance companies to chemists who suggest that there are anywhere between 10,000 to 30,000 different smells that would register in your Mind, But because everyone's DNA is different, there are 400 genes that play into that. He estimates that there's probably 90,000 different smells on planet Earth. That we can smell all sorts of things. They can again bring specific memories or desires Awaken our life. McDonald's is a master of smells. They actually use perfumes in their food. Now, not like Charnay number five or whatever, but they use these perfumes. This is why they can get, they're so consistent around the world. There's a McDonald's french fry tastes the same, whether you're here in the United States, whether you're Overseas, I've had McDonald's in numbers of nations and continents, and they are the same. Scarily the same. They're not the worst, though. Probably the worst is Kentucky Fried Chicken. A couple of years ago, Kentucky Fried Chicken actually began to use different scents in different ways. They actually had a scented sunscreen that smelled like their fried chicken. They, you could actually buy back in uh, the winter of uh, 18 and 19, you could buy a log that you could put in your fireplace, like a Duraflame log that would actually smell uh, like uh, uh, fried chicken, just so that you light it up. Smell it. Scented Candle Market is a $500 million dollar market. Smell is something that we all can understand. We all can relate to. We get the idea of smell. 
Paul is going to use this from the Roman victory parade where they would burn incense and the fragrance would go up. So let's think about this. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he says, but, I th- but thank God. He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrances rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfumes. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Now, as they would march these victory parades, when a general would conquer a land, they would have this parade. They would often build a monument. Uh, If you ever get a chance to go to Rome, uh, it's not full of museums. Rome is a museum. Everywhere you turn, there's artifacts, there's triumphs, there's arches, there's all sorts of monuments of victories, of past, of this and of that. It is full of all of these kinds of things that they would celebrate, especially in Roman times, heyday. And in that time when they would conquer land, they would bring back spoils from the land. They would burn incense and these would be to their gods and their different uh, temples and their different, uh, uh, um, uh, sometimes to Caesar and such. And it would be the smell and to the soldiers who had fought, to people who had actually surrendered and helped the Romans, it would be the smell of life. But then at the end of the parade would be brought the army, the defeated army, and they would be smelling that same smell. But as they smell it, it is now going to be their death. They're going to go to the crusade. Some of them would become uh, gladiators. Some of them would become prisoners. Some of them would simply be executed. And so Paul takes that picture that everyone would understand. And he brings it into Christianity and he says that we now, we're, we're not just in the parade, we are the smell, the perfume, the fragrance. Now to some, that's life. To some, it's death. So my question first that we need to think about is, what do you smell like? What's your smell? Now think about all the terminologies we use for smell. We use, we use that in for other areas of life, right? When someone's kind of shady, I smell a rat. When something goes bad, that stinks. We use these terminologies. It's full of, uh, and in that, we can use it in the positive. Oh, you know what? That was like a breath of fresh air. 
We use these terminologies to describe other things in life other than simply smelling. So if that's true, let's think about three areas that we could look at and understand life. First and foremost, what's your attitude smell like? Your attitude is scented. You can smell of somebody with a bad attitude coming from, you know, 100, 100 yards away. You can just tell they've got a bad attitude. And it's like a smell. You ever met someone? A whole One person, one bad attitude can bring an entire group of people down. Right? This is true. You, you can see it in sports teams often. That it can take one person, they can be cheering, they can be helping the team, they can be, they can get them pumped, but there's one person with a bad attitude. It can begin to really rail and, and, and sit heavy. Attitude is simply the heart making itself known. Your heart making your public, making known what's going on. The Irish have a terminology when we live there that has crept into American understanding, wearing your heart on your sleeve, that you know somebody, you know exactly where they're at. They, you know, the, where the English, on the other hand, have the stiff upper lip, you know, where, you know, it's just a flesh wound. It's just like they don't, they don't make a big deal about it. A look, a body language, a roll of the eyes, a frown, a sneer. It can go the other way, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, but a smile, a look of concern. Bring an attitude. Can bring life or death. Your attitude. That stinks. There's a man lying on his deathbed. He was dying. He was an older man. The doctor had come and said he had hours to live. He's laying there, cancer-wracked, and his wife is making chocolate chip cookies. He loves chocolate chip cookies. He gets out of bed. He, he with his last bit of energy, he says, Man, that's my favorite smell. I'm going to go out. And so he makes it, pulls himself out, gets out to the kitchen, reaches out, grabs one of the cookies, and his hand is slapped. His wife says, those are for the funeral. Get back in bed. a bad attitude. <laughs> right? People can have a bad attitude. And it's a smell. Your words will carry a smell. How I many you know there's different ways of saying the same thing? I learned this when I tried to teach English as a second language and they would ask me different questions that I didn't have any idea of because I'm really an American. I don't speak English. I speak American. 
And it is different in some ways. But anyway, and if they actually knew how badly I did in English in high school, they probably wouldn't have asked me to teach anything. Words set an atmosphere. Words create a smell. A smell in your life. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 15, 18 through 20, he said, but the words that you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. From the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, thieves, lying, and slander. This is what defiles you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Some people, it's their words. They defile their spirit. They defile their smell by their own words. It was at a Baltimore school that they had to evacuate the school because of a smell. And it actually was right around this time of year, a couple of years ago, that Time Magazine reported on this, that it was Cristo Re Jesuit High School, that the day started a little funky. According to the reporter, it seemed that the, there was a smell in the room that seemed to be getting stronger and stronger, that it eventually caused people to have a difficulty breathing. The school's president ordered that the school be evacuated. The fire department arrived and soon followed by the hazmat team. When no hazardous materials were discovered in the building, but the culprit was found. It was a pumpkin spice scented plug-in air freshener in the third floor classroom. Five people went to the hospital. Must have malfunctioned, I don't know. But I know people, their words smell. I told the story recently about New Jersey when we were driving through and my daughter had fallen asleep. She was just a little child. I, I want to say she was probably three, four years old. And she woke up and we were near the oil refineries. And she's like, Daddy, what's that smell? And I told her it was New Jersey. And she goes, New Jersey stinks. And so, you know, the thought, though, that some people, it's like, what's that smell? Oh, that's just your words. Oh, your words stink. They're toxic. Well, you're only pumpkin spice. Yeah, but they're sending people to the hospital. Your actions will also create what you do. This is often a result of both your attitude and your words how you do things, why you do them, brought out. But people who have a bad attitude, their actions will follow them. You know, it was former Tennessee Titan cornerback, Samurai, which was his name, Samurai Roll. He used to sleep. He had started a tradition back in college and he kept it he had one t-shirt he never washed and every game day he slept with it for 11 years what 
when he was asked about this, he said, "Mm, it doesn't smell too bad. 11 years, an unwashed t-shirt. That's just wrong on so many levels. Second Corinthian, uh, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles chapter two, verse four. Solomon says, I'm about to build the temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, and it will be a place set apart to burn fragrant incense before the Lord, to do special sacrifices, uh, to, uh, to display rather a special sacrificial bread and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning. On the Sabbath, the new moons, and other appointed festivals for the Lord God, as he has commanded Israel to do these things forever. It's very interesting that worship and smell. There would have been the smell of incense burning. There would have been the smell of sacrifices being cooked. There was special parts, and we're going to look at that, the kidneys set aside for an aroma to the Lord. How we worship God has to do with smell. So think about it, because in all of these, God wants to use these in a good way for a good smell. There was a comedian one time, he said, you know, I was driving with a friend. and We passed a a field of, of cows and you could smell the derriere. And his friend looked at this comedian and said, is that you or the cows? And he said, I'm sorry, if that was, if there's a chance that I smelled like 10,000 cows, I probably should be put out of the car. (laughs) Right? But our smell, our testimony of who we are, our text says, thanks be to God. He has made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal possession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Paul is saying that God wants to use our testimony. He wants to use these things that can smell. He wants to use your attitude. Christian attitude is important. Ephesians 5.2, life, uh, live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ as he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. God wants to use you in the way to reach others by your spirit and by your attitude. Leviticus tells us uh, that the priests, this is Leviticus 3, 14 through 16, the priests must present part of the offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, the fat around the near of the loins and the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidney and the priest will burn them on the altar as a special gift of food, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. All the fat belongs to the Lord. This was part of their worship. It's interesting that this all comes from the inside. 
that God says, this is what I want from you. I want you to have that good smell, pleasing smell. We all have smells that we love. There's smells that'll take us back. I remember I was talking with a Dutch pastor one time. We were talking about smells. And I said, man, I, I love the smell of a coffee shop. And he looked at me. And I'm thinking like you think, an American coffee shop where you go in and it's coffee. It's aroma. I love the smell of coffee. I just, I really do. I, I'm, a, I'm a coffee purist. I don't like, you know, some of you know this, but, you know, I'm not into the flavored stuff. Right? We got some coffee one time and I told my wife, this is, this is horrible. What is this? She's like, no, it's coffee. It's good coffee. I'm like, no, it's not. And we looked it up. It's got blueberries in it. It's got these things. It's like, no, it's wrong. Coffee should be coffee. I'm just saying. Right? French vanilla. No, it's coffee. It's just coffee. I like that smell. Well, he's looking at me very strange because in Holland, a coffee shop is where you get your drugs. So he's thinking, I like the smell of marijuana, which I don't because today's marijuana smells like a dead skunk. Like, there's nothing appealing to me about, you know. There's smells that we like. There's smells that the Lord likes. There's attitudes that the Lord likes. There's attitudes the Lord doesn't like. It's part of your testimony. Pastor Campbell at the rally mentioned a guy. He said, I don't know about this guy. He just always had a bad attitude at work. And, you know, I don't know. He had, you know, 17 jobs one year. He got 17. And I found out one of the guys from Chicopee. I'm like, hey, do you remember so-and-so? He said, I thought of him too. Literally, this guy had gotten 12 W-2s mailed to one address, and he only had lived there for eight months. He had other jobs, always persecution. They're antichrist. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, my boss is Lucifer and his wife is, you know, you know, uh, the wicked witch of the East and, and all of that. And it's like, no, you just don't do your job. You're just, you're just lazy. You just go in and argue with everybody. His attitude stunk. A good attitude wins people. Good words. Your words should have a good sense to it. In fact, in Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, it says, Now let your conversation be gracious and attractive, and you will have the right response from everyone. Literally in the, in the King James, the New King James, it says, seasoned with salt. Make it tasty. Make it appealing. Some people, you know, if you ever have to say the words, that's not what, that may be what I said, but that's not what I meant, then you're not listening to yourself. Because that's a mistake people make. They're not listening to their own words. This doesn't mean we never confront anybody. This doesn't mean we don't stand for right. This doesn't mean that we never raise our voice. This doesn't mean that we don't try to. Pretend. That you're never upset or angry. But to make impact with people. 
You have to aim for their heart. How about your actions? Righteousness is seen as in our actions. The word righteousness before the King James Bible was written, there were a couple of other English translations before the King James. It was translated as right wiseness. It actually had the thought of just thinking things through to doing what is right. It wasn't just the thought that some people have made it now that it's imputed, that it doesn't matter what you do, your standing is right. But it was actually had to do with the thought of your actions. Titus 2.14, and he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his own special people totally committed to doing good deeds. People that put the testimony of Christ and want to do good. Numbers 15, 16, uh, 6 and 7. If the sacrifice is a ram, give a grain offering, four quarts of ch- a choice flour mixed with a third of a gallon of olive oil and a third of a gallon of wine as a liquid offering. This will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You can evaluate your own life. Is it pleasing to the Lord? Is it a pleasing aroma to God? Is your giving a pleasing aroma to God? Philippians tells us that their giving was a sacrifice that went up before God and pleased Him. Is your prayer life a picture of incense? In Revelations, it tells us that the ins, the, that a bowl of incense was brought before the Lord and the aroma went up and it was the prayers of the saints. Righteousness in what you do. How is your life when I ask you what's your smell? Old Spice doesn't count. Let's talk lastly about the victory, because Paul in our text is talking about the parade. He's talking about a victory. And he says, you know what? As we're marching through, there's people who are smelling this. It's death. They're just going, this is not right. This, they, we're gonna, this means we're in trouble. But to those who are being saved... It is a life-giving perfume. He asks the question, who's adequate for these things? He says, you know what? When it comes right down to it, this is an awesome responsibility. This is an awesome task. Who is, who is adequate? The word literally means to be sufficient, to have the ability to be fit for. Who is truly set for this? Paul knew, first and foremost, whose army he was with, whose side he was on. In war, most people want to believe God's on their side. Most most wars, there's always that 
that understanding. God's on our side. But Paul said, you know, it's not about getting God on your side. It's about you being on God's side. Romans 8.17, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We can have the victory. God wants to give us that correct understanding. Are you sufficient? Yes, God can help you. If you've had a bad attitude, repent and get it right. If your words are bad, repent and get it right. It also shows us that there's a bigger work. They would get to Rome. They would see the Rome. There would be a big procession. They wouldn't get this without the struggles. They wouldn't get this without the war. Stephen Curtis Chapman is a Christian songwriter. And he was saying that he had a, a place in his, in his yard. He had set up some rocks and some different things, and it was just kind of a little garden area that he would go, and he would pray, and uh, he would seek God. He wrote, he said, I have a tangible expression of God's grace. I'd stack some rocks outside in a little place in the woods, a place I would go and pray. One time I was desperate for God to do something, to, for Him to show up. Or I would have to, I needed a breakthrough. As I was praying, I remember smelling cedar. And I was so distracted, me in my prayer. And I looked around to see a little cedar tree that had been snapped in half. And was just hanging there. That was what I was smelling. That's where the smell was coming from. And this was a tangible sign of God's grace to me. That the fragrance really came out when it was broken. That's what an altar's about. Altar literally means slaughter. Biblically, that's what it means. It's a place of brokenness. That we come to God and we, we kneel before Him and we repent, we break. And it is in that that God can then use glorious scent in our lives. Has to be contended for. Like I mentioned, Philippians 4.18, Paul wrote, he said, at the moment I had a need, I had all I needed more, and I'm generously supplied by the gifts that you sent from Aphroditeus. They're a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Something we can set the atmosphere for. Just like in the Old Testament when they would make offerings. I close with this. It was Rod Cooper, who wrote this, he said, when I was 10 years old, I had the privilege of getting up at 4 a.m. God bless this man. So we could get the cows, get out to the cows and milk them. 
As we came in for breakfast, I would begin to smell the beginnings of the soup that mom used to make. She would be putting big hunks of beef and carrots and peas and potatoes and all kinds of good stuff, and you would begin to smell it. I remember coming back at lunchtime thinking that we're going, uh, that it's going to be here and I've got, gonna have some, but she'd say, no son, you can't have any yet. You have to wait till tonight. That would make me work even harder that afternoon. When we came back in the evening for the meal, at that time it was my dad and me who were in the house and we would sit down and mom would set a huge cauldron of soup on the table. She'd put the ladle in it, she'd take out the steaming, uh, and steam would rise off it and put it down in the bowl. And I'd put my face over it and I would smell it and it would just take my mind away. I would then use my spoon and dip into it. It was wonderful. And I remember asking my mother, why do we have to wait for the soup? And she said, son, it needs to simmer all day. Let the juices of all the ingredients get mixed together, bringing forth that good aroma. And now what you taste is you're getting the best of every ingredient. I began to, as I grew older, I began to think about that, and I combined it with Sunday morning worship. It is a culmination of all the simmering of all week that we've done in the presence of God. When we simmer day each day in the presence of God, and then come together to worship God, it all mixes together. There's a smell of grace, of God's goodness that is lifted up to heaven. And God pulls off the lid and says, "Mm, that's my people worshiping. That your smell is not just raising your hands on Sunday morning, but it's a culmination of a life that is lived for God day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, that gives us that aroma. Who's sufficient? Those who God makes sufficient. Those who have His grace and His work in their lives. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You've come this morning... And maybe there's the smell of death, sin in your life. There was even, when I was growing up, an old song, ooh, that smell, the smell of death surrounds you. And it was about people doing drugs and drinking themselves to death and putting needles in their arms and doing quaaludes and all these kinds of things. And even this music group, unsaved people, knew, said, you know what, this is, ooh, that smell. Sin has a smell, it stains our lives. And you may come and you may be able to pretend and everything is great on the outside, but in your heart you know it's the smell of death and decay. The good news is you have an opportunity to come to an altar. Let Jesus change your life. Be born again. Have God do a fresh and new thing in your life that you can be 
saved. If you're here this morning, you're not right with God. You want prayer. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not right with God. Or maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God, but you turned away. You need to come back to Jesus. Very quickly, slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need Jesus to help me. Changing the call then to Christians. What's your smell? What's your attitude, your words, your actions? Are they death or are they life? Are you looking to please God in areas of life that you have? Your prayers, your giving, your witnessing, your righteousness. These are all areas that you can make that decision that God smells your life and goes, that's pleasing. That's glorious. I'm I'm thrilled. I accept that sacrifice. It's pleasing to me. Let God help you. If that you need to be need to get things right, the, the altar is the place to do it. Let God help you. Let's all stand. We're going to open up these altars and allow people to talk to God. Sing that song. This is my desire. This is my desire.
God this morning. Father, we love you. We exalt you. Oh, Lord, we rejoice in your goodness, in your love, and in your mercy. Oh, ra 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 ba 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 ra bo